First and foremost, I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land upon which we, myself, and my guests record today's podcast. I extend respect and gratitude to the elders past, present, and emerging of those nations, and to all Aboriginal peoples listening today. Always was, always will be. Hello and welcome, I'm Tim Bellina and you're listening to Yas Queen, the podcast where we talk about everything without knowing anything about everything. This is episode one and I'll be joined by Johnny Valkyrie. Johnny is an openly queer person, an activist, educator, community organiser and professional dabbler. This will be part one of many stories we hear from professionals and performers from around the country who present drag story time. So let's get straight into the episode. Okay, welcome to Yas Queen. I have the pleasure in welcoming our very first guest to the podcast, Johnny. Can you please tell everyone who you are, a little bit about yourself and where you're based? Hello. Yes, I can. Um, my name is Johnny Valkyrie. I am based in Brisbane, Queensland or Mianjin, and I'm from Sydney, but I've lived in Queensland for about 10 years and uh, lately I've been getting involved in more activism and more recently uh, drag queen story time with rainbow families queensland that's amazing so how long have you been doing drag story time well the first time i did it was with uh rainbow families and the brisbane city council library pop-up stall at brisbane pride 2019 so i think that was in september and it was a really nice time for me um prior to that i'd been doing drag as a fun way to connect with my community i went along to uh, backbone a youth theater company here in brisbane and i go to parties in drag and it was just so much fun and the first step for me was really connecting with the with the families and children at the festival because what i wear is basically a fun uh feminine version of myself yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so what is the best book you've read to the kids? The best book I have read is Love Makes a Family by Sophie Beer. I love that book. It is so beautiful and colourful. She illustrates it herself and writes it herself, and it really encapsulates a lot of the values we are trying to impart at Drag Story Time uh, about the fact that we have different families and We have different lives, but we all do the same sorts of things like making a birthday cake or going to the park or cleaning up after craft, these sorts of things. So I really like that. It's a really, um, it's a really gentle, sweet book. Oh, that's amazing. um, I'm trying to get a list together for all of my drag story times down here in Newcastle. So I'm going to add that to the list. That's great. Yeah, she's fantastic. She has a number of other books. Uh, one of them is Kindness Makes Us Strong and the other one is Rainbow Pups. So, um, yeah, she has a really good selection and there are so many uh, great authors out there who write children's books about LGBTI families and about being kind and about what it means to be 
an ally, um, you know, in age appropriate ways. So there, yeah, there are so many books out there that are endorsed by libraries and are very popular among yep. childhood educators and the like. Which is very important. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm going to go into a very topical question. Um, and I think that's one of the main reasons why I'm doing this podcast is have you experienced any negative online social media, general media um, from trolling or anything like that during drag time or anything like that that's affected you? And how have you dealt with that? Sure. I think the most prolific type of negative feedback that I have is what I refer to as a conspiracy theory. And the reason I refer to this mentality as a conspiracy theory is because there are people who paint drag story time as something that it really is not. There are claims that it sexualizes children, that it is inappropriate, that we teach children how to pole dance, that we read books about how to have sex. These never happen. And if they ever happen, then it is so important to report that regardless of who is doing the reading. That is probably the worst uh, feedback that I have gotten from certain groups in society, uh, particularly uh, Lyle Shelton, who is a commentator and failed politician here in Australia. He made allegations that I was dangerous for children because I put on a dress and because I read storybooks about being kind to each other. And he wrote quite a, an upsetting article about me and about several other drag queens across Australia. And I think these sorts of commentators, their only goal is to harm LGBTI communities and push their own agenda. So it, I'm not so worried about the trolling that I've gotten online from the misinformed public, but I think the commentators uh, who do have a platform making very serious allegations against members of the LGBTI community without any basis is the most threatening thing to me. I would have to agree with you there because he's also attacked me in a massive blog. Um, oh, I, think... I saw that. I saw that. As, that was you, wasn't it? Because I saw um, a Newcastle, um, something in the, in the paper from Newcastle about the fact that the library had um, committed to putting on more sessions and that made me so happy to see um, in response to the, the tragedy that occurred um, just a couple of months ago. Yeah, so we got some really bad backlash here in Newcastle over it, um, but everyone was waiting for me to put out a status um, the week leading up to it and I refused because um, I was going to do something that I think is very important. And then I got briefed a lot by the council. And then on the day, we had 150 people turn up to the library. Um, so it's needed and it's wanted. Mm. And I think the biggest thing that I said during my status is, um, where is it? The more hate you put into the community, um, that's the whole community. I'll work 10 times harder to make this world a happy place that's full of diversity and love. I will win. Fantastic. I think I remember reading that and that gave me a lot of strength because I think um, 
I think this might be a, a later question, but um, the type of drag that I do is quite different. Um, I'm transgender. I was assigned female at birth and I am not female. And so <laughs> my drag is a way to express feminine parts of myself that exist outside of my identity. And um, I think I get a lot more hatred in a very different way um, you know, it is bad enough to be attacked for being a cisgender uh, gay man who does who does drag and um, who reads to children in drag, but there is this element of gender that um, Lyle Shelton, who has also attacked you, um, touched on where he believed I was trying to change the, the gender of children by reading to them and just because I am transgender. And the, the drag... Uh, the drag style that I have, uh, I don't actually do drag outside of drag story time. I specifically read to children as an openly queer person in a colourful, fun outfit so that it is normalised because it is normal. We know that the community exists. Uh, you know, after marriage equality, we saw many more families come out about the fact that they were rainbow families. Uh, we saw many more people come out about being transgender or gender diverse and suddenly we are more visible and I want to keep that visibility going. Like you say, for every bit of hatred that comes our way, we will give love back. And that is one of the big reasons why I do drag story time because these families, and they are predominantly LGBTI families or rainbow families, uh, these families deserve community events for children where they feel safe, where they feel represented, where they feel heard and seen and loved. And that is what it is about. It's not about forcing anybody to do anything. It, it's, that's so beyond the point that I don't think the critics really understand what the aims of Drag Storytime are. And they seem to strangely focus on drag queens as opposed to drag kings, you know, where women will dress up as this hyper-masculine character and, you know, apparently that's okay, but the minute a man puts on a dress, it's not okay. Oh, yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, that's the community key and that's why we're here, we're educating people. Um, and that's my biggest thing here in Newcastle is education. Absolutely. I mean, if you, I, I grew up in, in a very progressive suburb of Sydney, Newtown, and I love Newcastle. I was there a couple of years ago for an artist conference and it is such a beautiful place. Um, I really enjoyed my time there and, you know, growing up in, in Newtown and Sydney's, um, Sydney's outskirts, um, this suburb at the time was very multicultural, very creative, very progressive, very chill. And I grew up around a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, uh, a lot of different identities with a lot of different life experiences. And that has shaped me to who I am today. People, regardless of where they are from, who they are, who they love, what they do, as long as they don't hurt other people, why have an issue with them? You know, and I, I think, unfortunately, in Queensland in particular, there is a really conservative narrative where people have lived in predominantly white communities, predominantly um, heterosexual communities, communities where 
sexuality and gender identity is not understood or tolerated, where racism thrives, where people with disabilities are made fun of instead of included in their communities. So I think the bad reaction, the, the backlash from people in Queensland is that a lot of people in Queensland have lived in regressive communities and there are some great, beautiful, progressive people in Queensland, but we, we do know that this state and WA, uh, we have a history of conservatism and, and regressive politics that harm people. Um, it's just, I, I really feel that we need a, a social and cultural change to include and and love and support everybody and until we do that we will keep going backwards and we we are seeing that in queensland now i mean um a number of high profile politicians after the drag story time protest made comments about how righteous it was that these young people came in and and stood up for what they believed in and they completely disregarded the fact that one it infringes on the human rights of another person and the safety of another person to do so but two that our lives are not up for debate this is not about politics this is about people being able to feel safe and loved and supported in their community especially children yeah i agree I think after what happened in Brisbane, um, down here, we went into full risk assessment um, mm. as the council did. So they put a lot of steps into action and security was ramped up. Um, all staff were brief, brief sorry. Um, so there was nothing going to get in the way of me entertaining and showing love and reading to the kids. Um, and do you know what? Every child that was in that room didn't care what I was mm. as long as I was making them laugh and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, it, it, it's, I'm, I'm laughing because it's so simple. You wear a costume, you look colourful, you look beautiful and glittery, and most children love that. You know, what, what we read uh, little moral tales, you know, um, Kindness Makes Us Strong by Sophie, Sophie Beer. The title says it all. It's about being tolerant. It's about being inclusive. It's about being loving. And those are values we want to share with young people. Those are values that everybody should be on board with. And you are right, you know, hatred is learned. It's not natural for people to to hate other groups or to be judgmental. You know, I, I've had children ask um, if I was a boy or a girl and I've answered them, I've answered them as best I can. I say, well, I'm a boy and I'm wearing a dress and it's fun. And um, if you don't want to wear a dress, you don't have to. And if you want to wear one, you can, you know, it's, it's about breaking down the social stigma and the judgment and the discrimination that exists in Australian society. And I think there are a lot of people um, and who, who would agree with that premise, but also I think there's another side to this where 
people who profit off hatred, like our favourite journalist, um, <laughs> who, who, yeah, who see this as a threat. They see the fact that we are instilling an egalitarian mindset in young people and because they profit off hatred, because they profit off discrimination and misunderstanding and segregation, we are a threat to their livelihood or political career. And I think that's good. We need to be openly condemning behaviours and ideas that harm people, regardless of what their beliefs are. It's, it's, not, it's never okay. Children, children aren't naturally bigoted. And then nor is anybody who has, who is bigoted as an adult. You've been, you've been taught to unfairly judge or criticize somebody or hate them or consider them to be less worthy of, of human rights and respect than you are. And I, it starts at a young age. We need to, we need to be, you know, you you and I, we, we know this, we do this because we know that, we need to be who we needed when we were young people. You know, if, if, I, if I saw openly queer people as a child, I feel like I would be better off as a young queer person. I would 100% agree with that. So I was born in Dubbo, Central West New South Wales. Oh, wow. Um, so I grew up in a place called Golgong, um, and I grew up there to 12 and I didn't see any of this, um, but I was brought up by the most amazing parents. Um, if I wanted to dance, I could dance. Drama, whatever I wanted. Um, so now my main thing when I'm doing drag is I go out west. I go to small communities. I do my bingo show. Oh, and, if great. A kid, <laughs> and if a little kid sees my poster in a window, that person, it then has to explain to their child what's happening if they ask and i think it's the best thing so absolutely i mean how how else do we understand the world around us we have to ask i think you know on that as well if we if we look at mainstream media and how sexualized that is you know there are songs about all sorts of things that people get up to in nightclubs and it's regularly blared over the speakers in shopping centres where children are. I've seen children dancing to and singing along to Ariana Grande and, you know, and Fergalicious and all this sort of thing. And, and then for somehow that's not questioned. But the minute we dress up and do our thing as queer people, it's brought under fire without any basis. I mean, do you, are you, what are you afraid of? A man in a dress reading a book about kindness to your child or your child singing about um, getting up and down in the club and doing A, B and C, you know, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> the double standard is insane. <laughs> and yeah, it's great. I've actually never thought about that. Um, and now I think I walk into a walking shopping centre, I'll be like, what's playing? Yeah, I mean, they, they don't pay attention to it because it's so normalised. And I, I think, of course, children don't know what the song means or the media. You know, if, if you, we live in a really technologically accessible world and any child, I've seen children in prams with mobile phones, you know, what, what's to stop them from looking up 
the Hollywood tabloids and seeing things they shouldn't see. Yeah. Why aren't we having, why, yeah, like why aren't we having these conversations about privacy and security and age-appropriate media use and instead focusing on people who have police clearance, who have a blue card, who are entertainers and who know how to read to children. I mean, I'm a community and youth worker by trade. I have this qualification. I know how to work with families and marginalised communities. And I'm also a very creative person. And so it's natural that I would find reading to kids in drag to be a fun and exciting way to reach out to a community that really just wants some age-appropriate LGBTI family event. There is, you know, we, we sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and we read it we read a little kid's book and that's, you know, and they love, they love my glittery, they love my glittery outfit. And I'm sure they love your glittery outfits too. Yeah, I'm sure. And I must say the kids come up to me and they're like, can you just rip a sequin off for me? Yeah. <laughs> they want like a and little token of their time. Yeah, to you. remember it. <laughs> and then like when I'm dancing, they're like waiting for them to fall off. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it's oh. so great. Um <laughs> I've got a quick one for you. Sure. What is the breakdown of how you do drag story time? Because there's sure. two of you that usually do together, yeah? Yeah, we usually do it in pairs. I mean, um, it just gives the kids an opportunity to, uh, I mean, like anybody, like any performer that, that comes in, whether it's the Wiggles or, um, or a, you know, youth motivational speaker or whatever, um, some kids will connect with one person more than the other. So it just gives a nice broad perspective um, to have a couple of different people there. But basically um, we come in, we introduce ourselves, we do a child's version of Welcome to Country, which is a really good way to um, impress upon young people the importance of acknowledging the space that we're in, um, who the custodians are, and starting those conversations about um, First Nations sovereignty, etc. That's really important and I love that aspect of it. Um, but then we move on to uh, presenting some books and saying, okay, we're going to read this one today, read the book, and we, we show the images to the children and... Uh, the families are with them, of course, and they sort of, you know, interact with the kids saying, oh, you know, can you see the little dog or can you see the, um, can you see that family look, looks like ours, you know, just trying to interact with the, with the literature and get them interested in reading and interested in media. And once we've read a couple of books, then we do a song. We do generally nursery rhymes like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star or... Um, the hokey pokey things that are easy and fun that they can get up and and get involved with because you know after sitting down for ten minutes they want to run around so it's a good way to break up yeah. the session yeah. and then we sometimes do some craft so we've done um, I think it was Diamond who who suggested and facilitated this project it was a family chain so it's kind of like um, a paper doll chain that. Uh, kids could put the glitter on and write, you know, mummy and mummy or daddy and daddy or, you know, just 
a fun little thing for, for kids to do to bring something home from their time with us. And um, yeah, you know, you can really, you can really set it out any way you like, but I think breaking it up into three sections really helps to get them moving because they're full of beans. They just, they just want to jump off the walls. And if they don't, they're going to try and pull your wig off or your sequence off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, like you watch them when you're reading the books and you, you can lose some of them halfway through and then you're like, we now need to dance. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's why I try and, you know, make little jokes that, you know, if there's a bird in the, in the book, I'll, I'll put on like a, a cockatoo voice and they find that really funny and it kind of brings their attention uh, back to it. And, it. and it can be a bit campy. It's funny for the parents to watch as well. You know, it's like, oh, look what he, what's he doing? You know, like just, just throw yeah. a little bit of, um, bit of a laugh for the, for the parents as well. And um, they just love seeing a, a, a character. And I mean, I, I don't really see it as, it's almost like a, a queer version of the Wiggles. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> children's really entertainers. Yeah. <laughs> like that's pretty much how I see it. I, I saw the Wiggles as a child and they were just a bunch of dads um, and some of them who got in a dinosaur costume or a dog costume or, you know, Captain Feathersword or what have you. And they would sing songs. And I mean, play, play school did this very much the same thing. Everyone would dress up and, read books and it's it's just you know it is so simple it's I think it's just the fact that drag story time is LGBTI focused that it comes under so much fire because we're always seen as just these sexual beings that have you know our sexuality or our gender identity is all that we are and, and somehow the who we are is inappropriate for children because it's seen as this lifestyle choice that's uh, you know full of adult experiences and and it and it is to a degree like anybody regardless of what your sexuality or gender identity is whether you're heterosexual homosexual whatever uh, we all have our adult lives and we all have our professional lives and we all have our lives um if we have children we we have a persona that we have around our children that is, is different to our private adult lives so I think a lot of the criticism we get is simply because we are queer. I would agree. Yeah. Um, because I do a lot of trivia and bingo shows. Um, my trivia is naughty. It's usually sexual trivia. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> um, education for adults. They learn a lot. Um, and I feel like when, all this publicity came out, people were just going onto my website and looking at what my merch looked like and all of that. And they were putting that all over the internet. And yeah. Which is really, I mean, I, I thought about this and I'm thinking, okay, well, the, what, what the public who are concerned about this are seeing is an adult who does performance and in two very distinct spaces one space is an adult space. One space is a general audience space, you know, like G-rated stuff. And I, I think it's really strange that people like us come under fire for this because teachers, for example, 
may go to the club on the weekend and dance provocatively and make out with guys at the bar. And then they come back to their nine to five job and they are appropriate around children and they don't talk about that around children and they keep that in their private adult lives. There are drag queens with children who keep their adult behaviors in their private adult lives. There are sex workers and strippers and performers of all kinds who have children as well, just to use a a more uh, controversial example. They have children and, you know, even, you know, like your Brady Bunch family, you know, to mum and a dad, two kids, a dog and a white picket fence. I bet those parents have sex in their homes while their children are at home. And they manage to keep that sexual adult private relationship outside of their parenting duties, outside of their professional duties. And we do that as well. It's just the fact that we're queer that raises eyebrows because we have every right to have our private adult sexual behaviors in our own spaces and to have other realms of public life that aren't involved with that. We are just like everybody else. We are, we are normal. I know. Who would have thought? (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) Um, Fun one. What's the funniest thing a kid has said to you? Oh yes. So, (laughs) so like I was saying, we usually do a little, a little song it might be old mcdonald had a farm or twinkle twinkle little star and i like to get the children engaged with the presentation because i don't want them to be having to put up with me basically i i'm all about that interactivity i want them to make decisions too so i often say what song would we like what's your favorite song have you got a favorite nursery rhyme and this one kid goes ring of fire <laughs> like Johnny Cash and I'm like (laughs) (laughs) and it really it floored me like I just this kid was maybe about eight years old and I just sort of stopped and I looked at the parents I'm like is this a child's version of Play Some (laughs) Barnsley? Have I been heckled by a child? It was so weird like (laughs) I know like I I can't imagine a universe in which a a drag queen would be singing Ring of Fire, but, you know, anything's possible. And I just said, I don't know that one. I was thinking more of, um, (laughs) 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 that kid was so funny. Um, Yeah, but she got up, uh, I asked her to come up on stage with us and do Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. She was a a sweet little thing. And um, her parents actually sent through, a video of her with a message to myself and Diamond, the other performer on the day, because this happened on the same day when I was asked to do a Johnny Cash cover. Um, (laughs) It it happened on the same day, um, unfortunately, the the protests that occurred. And later, um, yeah, we got a video from the parents and and she said, um, we had a really fun time and I, um, I hope I can sing with you again and thank you. And it was just really beautiful. They really appreciate um, meeting new people and meeting different kinds of people that they perhaps haven't seen before. Maybe they have seen them and didn't really know how to interact. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, 
but yeah, I won't be doing any Johnny Cash at my sessions, unfortunately. <laughs> or oh, fortunately. I want video footage. I know. I should do a um I should do a, you know, Jesse the Cowboy bringing my <laughs> bringing my acoustic guitar and do it. Yeah. That would no, be I'm, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well they'll have to do that out back. I'm more of a metro boy myself. Oh. <laughs> um did you want to talk about the protest in Brisbane at all? I think all I have to say about that at this point is is more about the the I want to talk about how an event like that is created by an environment. I think it is really sad that we still have societal issues where people feel like they cannot be themselves. And sometimes this comes in the form of people who are part of the LGBTI community in the sense of their identity, who internalise a sense of of self-loathing or fear around who they are and they project this onto others and i want i want to live in a world where nobody feels afraid to be who they are to express who they are provided it doesn't harm anybody else and you know you don't have to be a flaming flaming queer like me and you know run run about the place going to protests and running events and things like that that makes me happy that's important to me that I'm very connected with my community and that I'm very connected to my work in the community to dismantle transphobia and homophobia and these things and and grow a thriving community that's important to me and some queer people are quiet and it's a very small part of their identity and that's okay but I think the I think what led to that protest occurring and any protests like it is that there is a prevailing sense of bigotry that people can sometimes internalize and we see it in the political landscape there are politicians in power today in this current government who wish to wind back lgbti rights and it has emboldened the decisions of the community we have a rise in lgbti people contacting support hotlines like q life uh you know after the story time happened my local youth service the open doors youth service which works for the lgbti community reported that they had a massive spike in young people visiting the center and then calling for support because what they had seen in the headlines was their community being treated poorly, being vilified, being discriminated against. And suddenly their public spaces were very much a space where harm could occur. We all want to feel safe in our communities. And that includes people who are conflicted in their identity and their politics. And I just, really want to drive home the message that we are about love and any form of hatred or or bigotry needs to be dealt with 
in an educational manner, zero tolerance for harm, but also a compassion for people who feel the need to harm others. We need to realise that that comes from somewhere and work towards dismantling that. And it's, it's, this is a really big conversation I appreciate. It's, it's, a really, it's a really tough thing to unpack, you know, um, especially on a, on a podcast. But what I learned from all of this is that there is so much more work to do in making sure that people know that whoever they are, whether they're heterosexual, homosexual, transgender, cisgender, intersex, genderqueer, non-binary, whatever they are, whoever they are, that they belong, that they are safe, and that they are going to be okay, and that the rights that we have are not going to take away the rights of anybody else, vice versa. So I just hope that people realise that humanity is more important than politics. That would be my takeaway from this whole thing. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> you are welcome. I, yeah, I've had a plenty of time to, to think about it and I've had to unpack yeah. it so many times and tell so many people this story. But in hindsight, it really helps to look at the systems that, that create scenarios like these. Agree. Yeah. Okay, I've just got one last one for you before we finish up. Mm-hmm. So drag story time at local libraries for now. Next stop, play schools. Ooh. Um, <laughs> where do you see drag story going from here? I would really like to see technology implemented with drag story time. Um, I guess before I get into that idea, it is important to say that I will continue with drag story time and that the library and other venues in Brisbane and broader Queensland have made it very clear that they will protect our community and security will be upped for these events because we want to make sure people are safe. But I think beyond, beyond that, beyond the, the risk management, which is really important and I'm glad that Newcastle Library has done this, Beyond that, I really want to see Drag Storytime and other LGBTI family events made more accessible to people who maybe live in rural or remote areas who can't, well, they they don't really feel like they have a space or a voice. You know, they can't just go to their local library and see a, a queen or, you know, let alone a gay person reading a reading a story to children or being a teacher or, you know, working at the corner store, they don't get that visibility. They don't get that representation. And so I think we can use technology to even broadcast drag story time to libraries in rural, regional and remote areas. I think, you know, and and it would be good because you then don't put already vulnerable communities at risk in those areas. I'm sure there are drag queens living in rural and remote areas who feel too afraid to approach their local library and, and offer this sort of thing. So if we could start that conversation by broadcasting to these um, smaller libraries for LGBTR community, I think that would help those communities who feel so marginalised being in such a, a small town to connect with each other and say, oh, you know, um, I've, I've got a, 
I've got a rainbow family too. And, oh, wow, you know, how, how do you, how do you get your kids to cope living in this small town? You know, this, these sorts of events start conversations, they connect communities. And I, I really think that we can extend this beyond the, the capital cities. And, you know, Newcastle is a big city. It's about three hours out of Sydney, I think. Um, but we can, we can spread this further. And from there, I think, uh, more mainstream LGBTI representation in, in children's media and in media in general is so important. And we're already seeing it. We're already seeing it in cartoons and books and, and stories and, you know, particularly young transgender people. I mean, we had, we had Georgie Stone on Neighbours recently. Um, you know, it, it, it is the future. Diversity is real. It is here. And it is time that we are heard and it's time that we are seen. So why don't we make that available to everyone in Australia? I think that's really important. Very, very important. Um, I'm actually taking drag story time out to Mudgee. Oh, wow. Dubbo. Where is that? <laughs> Mudgee. Um, so Dubbo, uh, like an hour and a half from Dubbo. Oh, right. Um, so it's more of a, like a regional slash rural area. Yeah. So like half an hour from where I grew up. Oh, wow. How, how do yeah. you feel with, um, you know, going back to your hometown um, and doing that? Are you, do you feel like you're welcomed there? Did you? Um, 100%. So when I was getting all this backlash online, um, I think Golgong was behind me 100%. They wanted to drive over here in a big gang and fight everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> and isn't that beautiful that, you know, because, you know, small communities have, they tend to have a, a bad reputation in the sense of, you know, maybe not being as exposed to um, communities like ours. They might develop some, you know, there's always the whole small town fear sort of thing. And a lot of queers move to big cities where it's more acceptable, but, I think things are changing by the sounds of it. You know, your community um, being more regional area, you know, they, they obviously love you and, you know, they don't mind who you are, you know, and they just want to make sure that you're safe. And I think that's, that's the kind of message that we need to be sending. Yep. I agree. It's um, amazing. And I think in rural New South Wales, there's a lot of pride festivals. Yeah. So, is Hay in New South Wales? Yeah. Well, kind of on the border of Victoria and New South Wales. Okay. Because they had, so, um, what festival was that? Yeah, Mardi Gras Plains or something like that. Yeah. Um, Rainbow on the Plains. Rainbow on the Plains. Yes. That's right. Yeah. It's really cool to see that. I don't think we're quite there in Queensland yet. Uh, Brisbane has still got a lot to catch up on. That's for sure. But we are we are thriving, and um, hopefully we can make spaces for people in regional and rural Queensland. I, I don't think I have the capacity to do that in person. I wouldn't feel physically safe. But yeah, that's why I think the places like WA and Queensland, in particular, uh, where people are worried about their safety and are worried about um, being publicly accessible in places that have more aggressive politics. Um, doing a, a live stream really cuts out that that fear and, and makes it accessible. Yeah, it does. And because, like, there's School of Air. Yeah. Um, 
like they get students from all around. So I think it's an amazing thing. And I think we should fight for this now. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying for, for every, for every bit of hatred that you receive, you're going to give love 10 times back. And that's, you know, this has only made me feel more connected to my community and more protective, especially of young people. You know, there were, there were children there that day who I was having a conversation with a couple of parents who said that, you know, um, one of them believed that their child might be transgender based on the sorts of things that their child was saying. And just after we'd had that conversation, the protest occurred and I felt so sad that the children had seen that, but the best thing to come out of that for the kids. And this is feedback from the parents is that they, they thought about Mr. Rogers. I don't know if you know, Mr. Rogers, he's like a, um, to an old, an older man who did, uh, children's shows and, and story times. Um, I think it's an American program, but he, he says something like, um, look for the helpers. And so what these children remember from the event as the mother was telling me is that it was scary and they didn't know what was going on, but, but we were helping Queenie and diamond Queenie. That's me. Queenie and diamond were helping. And so they learned that even when bad things are happening, there are people there to help you. And I want yeah. that to be a lesson that, that all children know that they can go to people when they feel afraid, that people will protect them when they feel afraid and that we will keep creating these safe spaces for children and families and we will protect those spaces. And I don't know about you, but I, I just want to mother hen everybody. I just, you know, <laughs> I just want to go in there and say, right, we're doing, <laughs> we're doing a couple of sessions this week and, you know, we've got, we've got bodyguards at the door, you know, it just, <laughs> I feel very protective of young people because that's, these, these are very impressionable young people who deserve to feel safe and loved, especially in this day and age. We have marriage equality. We have uh, rep some representation in society. It is time to leave bigotry in the past. Couldn't have said the words myself. <laughs> um, I'm also on mother hen, I guess. People have probably been wanting me to say that for so long. Um, in the drag world, they're always like, oh, you're our mother. Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not your mum. I don't want kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I'm very protective of them. And everybody that comes into my safe space, I will always be the mother, I guess. Yeah, and we, we have that duty of care to children. And I think if anybody wants to talk about the safety and rights and and well-being of children then they have to look at who is doing what we are committed to helping children develop a love of reading helping children develop a sense of pride and understanding in their family and in their community and also making sure that they are protected by groups who seek to harm them because the opposition if you like make claims about how we are dangerous to children, make claims about how we are inappropriate for children. And yet who are the ones picketing and screaming and causing distress? It is not us, that is for sure. No, not at all. 
Ah. Oh. I could just keep talking to you forever. I, feel. I know you're great. <laughs> you're great. We'll have to do this again sometime, even yeah. if it's not a podcast. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, amazing. Is there anything else you want to say? Plug anything like that? Sure. I would say to anybody listening to the podcast, contact your local libraries. I would ask them if they have any LGBTI family events that you can go to you can also find out about community events in your area if you are a rainbow family there are rainbow families chapters all across australia there is rainbow families new south wales rainbow families victoria up here we have rainbow families queensland and it is so important to keep in contact with your community especially during a time when we are under fire in the media, it can cause a lot of distress. So always reach out and always look for ways to happily engage with your community. And if you need anything, you can contact my Facebook page and um, I am Johnny Valkyrie. So just come and talk to me uh, if you've experienced discrimination, vilification or something that just didn't feel right. Uh, or if you just want to know about events and services in your community, I can point you in the right direction. Remember that you are not alone and that your community loves you. Thank you so much, Johnny. That was an most amazing conversation. I'm sure everyone will agree you are making the world a better place. So thank you so much for joining me. Lovely. Thank you, Timberlina. Thank you for listening to Yas Queen. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and tell your friends and family. If you have any questions about anything and everything, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Yas Queen Podcast and send them through. Once a month, we'll compile all the questions and have them answered by queers and allies from around the country. Until next time, my name is Timberlina, Top Shelf Talent. For yourself, double. Peace out. Love you all.